A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, it's Tuesday the 28th of January. I'm Jules Breach, he's Andy Brassel, and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. I just constantly worry about the club and the age of, well, 33 in May. You're looking to sort of enjoy the last couple of years of your career, you know, and uh, when you're, you're fighting relegation battles, and it, trust me, it's not enjoyable. Coming up, we'll be discussing the impending winter break, which is on the way in the next couple of weeks. We'll also be taking a look at the League Cup semi-finals and chatting more about West Ham against Liverpool in the Premier League. Andy, how was your weekend? You've been busy this weekend, haven't you? Talk sport? I have. I uh, went to NBA in Paris on Friday night, which was amazing nice um strongly recommended they're gonna have it there again next year and uh quite rightly too uh because it was it was fantastic but of course very sad basketball ending to the weekend with a, the unexpected passing of, of, of kobe bryant I which know, I, was, I was i was i was talking about on sunday night on on, on talk sport um yes yeah, it was still very difficult to to get your head around of, of course he was such a a citizen of Europe, having grown up in in Italy and and France as well, huge football fan, and that sort of cosmopolitan side to him. I mean, you know, when you saw him in um, a Milan shirts, he was a big fan of AC Milan. Um, but you know, you saw him on a visit to Barcelona wearing a Barcelona shirt. Um, you saw when Kylian Mbappe was paying tribute to him. He had a photo of himself with with Kobe Bryant that they'd taken at Camp de Loge, the, the Paris Saint-Germain training ground as, as, as well. Um, so he was just someone who who loved sport and like, really ad- admired fellow competitors because that was his thing. He was the ultimate um, competitor. But yeah, he'll be very much missed. Mm, an absolute legend of sport, isn't he? And uh, I mean, talk sport, having you there on Sunday to be able to do a show for them because particularly in terms of basketball fans and basketball journalists mm. they couldn't have had a better person in the building to kind of pay tribute to Kobe well as, as I was hanging about there for uh, Trans Europe <laughs> Express loitering anyway um, I, I guess it, it, it worked out okay in the in the circumstances but um yeah, even though it was off the cuff, and you know, Danny Kelly did a, a terrific job as he always does. He's an, he's an absolute force of nature. Um, it, it, it felt better, and I think it feel, feels better in those sort of situations to just talk about the person. You know, you know, when when someone's passed, of course, it's it's, it's different when it's a famous person as opposed to someone um, that's you know in, in your family or, or or circle of friends. But you know, people do feel as if they. They they know, you know famous people and especially great sportsmen as, as as we talk about again and again and again. You know it's like when you follow your football team, they become part of your life, don't don't they? And um, especially someone like 
Kobe Bryant, who was somebody who stayed his his, his whole life with one team. I mean, I was, I was trying to explain it really in, in the context of a lot of the audience are obviously more familiar with football than they are with, with, with basketball by quite a long way. I think I described him as kind of the Francesco Totti of, of, of the NBA. You know, this one club guy, which is so unusual in, in, in this day and age. And, you know, he, he had his, his opportunities to, to, to go elsewhere, but he wanted to build his, his legend with the Lakers, just like, like Totti did with Roma. So you always make the most of the FA Cup weekends, Jules, and uh, it was it was an interesting one, wasn't it? It was an interesting one. I mean, it was another one of those weekends where we were kind of looking around at the fixtures and you're looking for that story, aren't you? You're looking for where is that upset going to come from? I didn't expect it to come from Shrewsbury against no, Liverpool. I didn't. But Are we going Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury? I say Shrewsbury. I think what do that, you say? Yeah, it, it, it sounds it sounds more plausible. I feel like it? Shrewsbury is posh. Do you, think? you think? Do you think Shrewsbury sounds posh? You know, Shrewsbury it, sounds posher than Shrewsbury. Mark Pugach, who I think is the poshest person I know, my co-host <laughs> on Score, he says Shrewsbury, and does I think he? I think that's posh people's way of saying Shrewsbury. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Team Pugas. <laughs> You're Shrewsbury. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Shrewsbury. I think. Fine. I mean, what what a story. What what an up. I mean, it wasn't really an upset, but to get a replay at Anfield, amazing. It doesn't really matter what team Liverpool put out. The fact that. They managed to get a replay. They came back into the game after scoring an own goal as well. It just looked like it was all going so horribly wrong for them. And yeah, Cummings, what a player. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And uh, obviously, having seen a, a bit of Shrewsbury here and there <laughs> uh, with them being in, in, in Wimbledon's division, you know, I think you're very appreciative of the gap between League One and the, the, the Premier League. It's absolutely enormous. This isn't even like... A, 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 a Premier League team playing a third tier team ten years ago. The, the gap is far more pronounced even now. I would I would say than it was even just ten years ago. Certainly twenty years ago. Um, so it, it was an incredible story. And also, I, I think the fact that you know I heard people talking about it as if we know Liverpool have got a lot of commitments in a lot of competitions. We know they've been out for the the World Club Cup and they've they've got a lot of miles in the tank. But having said that. You know, they were able to start Minamino. They were able to bring, uh, Salah on. bring, on, bring on Salah to, mm. to try and clinch the game. And, you know, we were talking, weren't we, between us earlier, you know, Manchester United at Tranmere and how how you celebrate the goals against lower mm-hmm. division opposition. If that Mohamed Salah header had hit the net oh, at, at the end, I, he would have celebrated that big time. A hundred percent. There's and, no doubt about and, it. And that's the thing, when you compare Shrewsbury against Liverpool to Tranmere against Manchester United... I mean, obviously, I know Tranmere had played just a couple of days before, so they were absolutely knackered. The pitch was awful and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But And United did play a strong team. But still, you look at the comparison of a 6-0 compared to a 2-all against the leaders of the Premier League. Brilliant for Shrewsbury. So delighted for their fans. It was so good seeing all those scenes at full time. And, mm. you know, they were all just a little pitch invasion. Can't beat it, can you? It was, it was nice. I was just wondering what the chip would be between Dayan Lovren and, 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 and the locals. I'm sure it would have been quite special. But yeah, this this idea of like, you know, you shouldn't celebrate against the scoring against lower division opponents. I mean, come on. That, that's more disrespectful, in my opinion. I think like, so. Like you the, the, celebrate. Of the, you the, the, the idea that, oh, we've only scored against you, so let's not go nuts. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would find that quite an affront. The interesting thing I find about the FA Cup this 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 weekend is the fact that we're slowly, slowly, slowly inching towards 
this winter break. Now, the Premier League have done it in a really interesting, innovative way. Mm. So we don't have to be without football at all. You've got from the 8th of February, this staggered set of games. I mean, just to briefly go through the fixtures, Saturday the 8th, we've got um, Everton Palace, Brighton Watford. So just two games that day. Yeah, you get the day off, you get to go, don't you? I do. Well, this is the weird thing is that um, because the games are staggered, there aren't enough fixtures to fulfil us doing a BT Sports score show because there's no games at three o'clock. So it means that we actually get those two Saturdays off. So you've got two more on the Sunday, uh, the 9th, at Sheffield United and uh, Man City. Then uh, Friday 14th, you've got Wolves-Leicester. Saturday 15th, again, just two fixtures. Uh, Southampton, Burnley, Norwich, Liverpool. Uh, games at Villa and Arsenal on Sunday 16th. Uh, Monday 17th, Chelsea, Man United. And, and then you're back to normal. It's an interesting way of doing it. All the um, games are televised, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I kind of assumed when uh, England talked about doing a later winter break, it would follow the template of what they do uh, or what they have done um, regularly in uh, Turkey. Although... Obviously, it's not celebrating Christmas to the, the, the same extent in a largely um, Muslim state. Um, or Belgium, where they have games on Boxing Day and then they have their, their break that goes into mid-January, pretty much following the same um, template as, as Turkey. And, and they did the same thing in, in Italy, when Italy tried to compete with the Premier League, have Boxing Day fixtures, etc. When we go back to last season and, and the season before, where they'd play, I think, Italy playing the 26th and 29th and then had their, their winter break. So I kind of assumed it, it would be this way. And uh, it's, a, it's a point that um, we were talking to Luke Moore earlier, weren't we? And um, he was he was saying how he thinks a lot of fans out there are almost not aware that there's a winter break because there's not this spell where there's no football. What do you think of the way they're doing it? Well, I think that I completely agree with Luke. I don't think many people do know about it. I didn't know about it. And I work in football yeah. until about maybe two months ago when we were discussing upcoming shows. And because I cover Mark on the score when he goes off to do the Six Nations, they were just flagging a few dates for me in February and March where Mark's not going to be around. And they said, you know, you're going to have a show on this day, that day, that day where Mark's not going to be here, da-da-da-da-da. And then they said, oh, but um, there is a chance that there's two weekends where you won't do a show at all because of this potential winter break. Mm. And I was like, oh, right, okay. And, And then then... A couple of weeks later, it then got confirmed. Yeah, okay, we're not going to be doing a show on the 8th or the 15th. And that's when I realised that this winter break was actually definitely going to happen because there there hasn't really been an official announcement in any way that I've seen from the Premier League to to really kind of explain exactly how it's going to work, what's going to happen. But essentially what it is, is a full set of Premier League fixtures. So 10 games spread across two weekends and every single game will be televised. So we'll get to watch every single one of them, which is, it's great, but... I do think it's interesting that there's not a proper break because, yes, each team will have, I counted Brighton's days off between the 8th of February when they play their match and then the next time that they play again in the Premier League will be Saturday the 22nd. So there's a gap of around 13 days. So the players will have 13 days off. Now, fortunately, because, well, I say fortunately because we got knocked out of the FA Cup. At the moment, we've just had a spell of 10, well, we will by the time it gets to the weekend have had 10 days off across this FA Cup weekend because Brighton weren't playing. So across the period of the next month, Brighton are going to have quite a lot of time off where they can obviously maybe go on some warm weather training or, you know, whatever it is that Graham Potter decides to do with the team. So I do yeah. think it, I think it's beneficial and I think the players need a rest. It's interesting, like you say, though, that the Premier League have decided not to do a proper, solid sort of two-week 
complete break. I would have expected that if a winter break was imposed, that that would be how it would work. Yeah, I mean, I suppose one way of looking at it is the fact that when we talked about Italy playing uh, Boxing Day fixtures a, a couple of times, the idea of encroaching on an international television monopoly. The, the, the fact that I remember from when I was living in France, you know, people would, um, you know, either get people around their house to watch the football or take their Canal Plus box around someone else's house so everyone could get together and watch football because it was the only football on. Mm. You know, they're, they're in the middle of the winter break and they're like, oh, these crazy English wanted to play even more at Christmas. It's fantastic. Let's all watch it. And I, I think that, well, I know that other leagues are not insensitive to that. The idea that, um, you know, there's essentially a, a monopoly, like a free run, this this league that um, dominates television schedules across Europe, across the world, basically has no competition for that time. And certainly in Italy, which really wants to uh, ape the, the, the Premier League, certainly in, in, in commercial terms, was thinking, oh, maybe this will work for us. And they've, they've stepped back from that this year. Um but I guess looking at that from the other perspective, the Premier League will be thinking we don't want any time where we're not on television screens all over the world. And maybe our viewers don't want that as as well. I mean, the concerns, are, the, the two major concerns I have about it, and I think we can't say for now it's going to work, it's not going to work, because we don't know. We don't know. It, it's not even happened. And I think you have to have at least a couple of years of this to see if it does work. I don't think you can take like any trend in football, like, you know, English teams unmask getting to a certain point in the Champions League or Spanish teams doing that, whatever. I think you have to look across a few years to actually see how it, how spot a trend. But the two concerns that I have is firstly, there's going to be loads of squabbling about who's got what schedule, because not everyone's got the same. And Jurgen Klopp has already piped up about that. Of course, he's under pressure because they're, they're in everything and they've, they've, they've played a lot of games already. That's clear. Um, the other concern um, I have is, is it a little bit late in the season to, to have it? And I think particularly for those Champions League teams, I mean, you just think it takes a little while to, to get going again after the winter break. And so, you know, Manchester City, for example, who've got to come back and play Real Madrid, you know, Liverpool that have have, have got to come back into the into the Champions League as well. Are the Champions League ties almost happening a bit too soon for them? I mean, we've seen that before. That I, I realise it's, it's only a different a week situation after it, isn't it, that the Champions League returns? Ex- exactly. Whereas if if you uh, same same with Spurs, of course, and Chelsea. But when you look at say. Um, like the Russian Premier League, for example, they have this whopping great winter break, which is, you know, necessitated by climate, which happens from um, basically the middle of the middle or, or, or sort of 10 days into December until the end of February, start of March. They are not back into competitive matches by the time that they go back into the Champions League or Europa League. And I think that can have, have an effect. I mean, of course, it's it's nice to have the rest, but you've got to get going again. You've got to get going in competitive fixtures again. Now, of course, the Premier League teams will have restarted competitive fixtures, but they'll only just be back into them. So that's that's my concern. And like I say, we don't know until it starts. We'll, we'll, we'll have to suck it and see, but that would concern me a little bit if I was a supporter of one of those teams. I think that this season already has proved that this winter break is coming too late. 
I think that you look at the players that have got injured over the past month across since December up until this period now, it's mad, isn't it? When you so, so we're overloading the calendar in other places. I think so. And at, I, at the expense of this. I agree. I think that, like you say, it's probably come a little bit too late in February. To, to have a winter break in mid-February, you're already 70% through the season at that point. Mm. It needs to be a bit earlier than that to give the players a bit more of a rest. Maybe. I, I'm a, I'm a, I really like the traditional Boxing Day football. I don't want to see that be rid of but at the same time I think that the winter break needs to be more around that kind of time or possibly just a bit before it yeah like you could have boxing day and then break straight afterwards yeah, there's, yeah. there's no reason you couldn't do that I mean I think if we look back and say that this is you know maybe not worked quite as, as, as well as it might have done I agree with you I think we're going to have to look back at that a little bit because I think this year as compared to to other years I think the coaches and players, of course, but certainly coaches, because they've been very vocal about it, have felt the pressure of the Christmas and, and New Year fixtures yeah. more than really any other time because the the third round of the FA Cup wasn't moved. And I, I think FA Cup scheduling is a big issue. That's something we have to look at maybe to liven up the competition a, a, a little bit as well because I, I know like supporters of lower division teams of which I'm one of course um, will say there is still magic in it is there magic in it for everyone I'm I'm really not convinced it's something we've talked about relatively recently um, but yeah I wonder if the damage has been done you look at the turnover for teams like Wolves and Sheffield United and really it, it should all be about the fans and not just about of course, the, their convenience and being able to actually get to games up something was brought up again with Hull Chelsea at the, the, the weekend. But also, the, the quality of football that either you're paying to watch by subscription or you're paying to watch by actually going to the stadium. There is no way you are getting three prime performances out of your team in Christmas, New Year. It's, it's not physically possible. And also, when you talk about the scheduling, Andy, um, regarding this upcoming winter break in February... The scheduling around Christmas is always something that managers will have a little bit of an issue with. And Pep Guardiola, particularly this winter, this December just gone, yeah. was very vocal about that because looking at Man City compared to Liverpool, Liverpool had a lot more days rest in between games than Manchester City did. And, and Pep Guardiola mentioned that. And it's very similar when it comes up until February. Um, there are certain teams that have got 12... 13 days off and then there are other teams that have got maybe 15 or 16 I know it's only a couple of days more but a couple of days more makes quite a difference it makes a massive dif- it makes a massive difference to those coaches that is something that they never stop talking about what are the what are the things that they talk about they talk about um, comparing their schedules with the title rivals that, that's the main thing that coaches talk about at this point in the season isn't it yeah exactly and then when it comes to or relegation rivals <laughs> teams yeah when it comes to teams that like you're, not, you say, you're, not, oh, you're not in trouble yet though I, you're not officially in trouble I don't know when you look at that game on the 8th of February, Brighton against Watford, oh, that's going to be massive. Oh, the, the amount of, uh, uh, the amount of uh, messages you've had and mail that we've had about oh, Brighton Bournemouth. I was listening to the podcast last week. The stress <laughs> after, after the Brighton Bournemouth game, it broke my heart. I know. Heart, pardon me. It really did. It was, um, it was the game that I can't remember. We were messaging after, weren't we, Andy? And I said to you, I don't think I've ever been this pissed off about a football match. Yeah. Like, in a long time. It was one of those that just really, really annoyed me, really frustrated me because I was so nervous, but I was also kind of quietly confident about it. I was I was this, I was positive in the sense yeah. that I thought, oh, you know, what what a better time to play Bournemouth in a way, because they were struggling to score. And I thought, you know, there's no way we can come away without something. And just to see 
the team capitulate the way they did it was just it was heartbreaking really I know you love Matt Ryan but maybe you should sign out Aaron Ramsdale for oh, next season when so Bournemouth go down he was brilliant wasn't he what a game he had and, and save Wimbledon last season there's, there's absolutely no way that Wimbledon stay up without Aaron Ramsdale mm. last season and for, for me it was an enormously pleasant surprise to see someone go from uh, you know keeping a team in, in League One to a starting keeper in the Premier League I mean I knew he was good but I didn't expect him to go straight into a Premier League team. And essentially, I suppose he's fulfilling a similar role because he's playing for some strugglers. And, you know, we talked before, haven't we, Jules, about it? The, the idea of if you're a goalkeeper for Liverpool compared to if, if you're a goalkeeper for Bournemouth, it's, it's night and day. So mm. job's loads different. You're going to be way busier playing for Bournemouth, whereas if you're playing for Liverpool, it's about concentration, recycling the ball, all that sort of stuff. So essentially, Ramsdale is doing at Bournemouth what he did at Wimbledon. Yeah, and there was there was a couple of unbelievable saves in that game. We we should have scored more than than what we did. But the next couple of weeks to Brighton are huge. West Ham at the London Stadium this coming weekend. And then, of course, in that winter break weekend, we play the first weekend. It's Brighton-Watford. So for me, one of the positives of having this winter break is I've got the Saturday off school, which means I can actually go to a game, which is amazing. So yeah, I'm going to be going down to the Amex for that. Brighton against Watford. I'm going to be biting all of my nails off and it's going to be another one of those nerve-wracking weekends, but can't wait already. The, the manager know that, knew I played three games in a week last week and and we got two big games coming up at home. I spoke to him yesterday and he said, look, I'm just going to uh, put you on the bench to, to save your legs a little bit because of the running I've done in a week. But as I said, when you when you, you when when, a t- when his team performs like that, you've got to look at yourself. You've got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Did I give enough today? Did I work hard enough?" And uh, the answer to that for me was no. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily on uh, Tuesday 28th of January. And um, of course, you can always get in touch with us at Jules Breach, at Andy Brassel, at Football Ramble. And the good old email. We still get plenty of them. Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. I love your emails. And 
with that in mind, we will get into a, a few of them later. Um, but it's a busy old midweek, Jules. Um, you'll be hoping to redeem some of your lost fantasy Premier oh, League points. Don't mention it. Do you so, know so, sorry, in uh, West Ham against Liverpool, which is uh, tomorrow night, just down the road from um, BT Sport, of course, uh, 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 at West Ham. You know, you know, a minute ago, I was just saying how much I was pissed off about the Brighton result. Yes. I was almost just as pissed off about Sadio Mane going off injured in the game against Wolves last week as I was about that because... But he's beloved by all, isn't he? If we take away... Sorry, but if we take away the Fantasy League element of it, um, he's... I think, you know, how we talked before about Liverpool kind of splitting the vote in terms of Ballon d'Or. I think that's the same in Liverpool's general popularity because you could argue that Klopp is the most beloved Liverpool personality because there are so many players that enthuse people, so many players that, that, that you can admire, so many players who are likeable in that team. And of course, Manchester City fans might disagree with that. But it's, it's difficult to focus on a favourite. I feel that Sadio Mane over the last year or so has become the totem of that team more than Mo Salah. I'm laughing because I had a dream about Sadio Mane the other day. I'm go, not go, joking, on, right? go on, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the whole dream because it's really weird. You know how dreams just don't make any sense? Yeah. Well, basically, I was in a room with Sadio Mane. He was wearing full Liverpool kit. Yes. And he opened his mouth to speak to me and he had an English accent, like full English. Like just, there was there was nothing Senegalese about him at all. Really? He was full English. <laughs> it was hilarious. And then, you know, you like wake he's, up. He's been putting it on. You wake up from your dream and you go, oh, that was weird. Like genuinely, that was my dream on Saturday night. It's, I did have a few drinks. So that could be why. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because I remember the first time um, when, when I was um, covering a game in France that I, I got back to the hotel, turned on uh, French TV, and uh, Arsene Wenger used to be um, a pundit on uh, Canal Plus a lot. And um, the first time I saw him on TV speaking French, I was totally weirded, weirded out by it. Now, of course, I understood it to speak French, but I'd always, I thought, did I always think that he was just an English guy put, put, <laughs> yeah. putting on a French yeah, accent yeah, yeah. as part of the image? I know what you mean, because there's, there's just the way you sort of know someone, isn't it? Um, back to the game, though, and this is the trouble, is that obviously Sadio Mane came off injured. Klopp's been a little bit kind of, he's not really said exactly how long Mane's going to be out for, but no. what we can probably expect from Wednesday night's game is that you just, assume that Klopp's not going to take any risks. Why would you risk Sadio Mane for the for the game at the London Stadium if you don't need to? When when you know we were just talking about the winter break and the build up of fixtures and what Liverpool have got coming up in the next few weeks. Klopp's already said that he's not going to um put a, a full strength team out for the FA Cup replay against Shrewsbury. Yeah. Then they've got obviously Premier League game this Wednesday night. They've then got the normal Premier League fixtures coming up for the rest of February and then obviously Champions League returns and their first match is away at Atletico Madrid. So, you know, they've got a busy few weeks on the way despite the winter break. So, and, and, and you know, even though they're so far ahead at the top of the table and they're not going to lose the title now, they're going to no. win the Premier League this yeah. season, Klopp won't stop until it's mathematically impossible to not lose it. And, and there's so the I, other stuff to chase. Yeah, exactly. There's the other trophies that yeah. he wants to win as well. So this is the thing. I just can't imagine with, with a player as valuable as Sadio Mane, 
why he would even bother risking him, which is why I'm so stressed, because it means I'm going to end up with three points for my triple captain. Are you going to say you're going to triple captain Minamino? Is is that your next plan? You can't. Well, you've only got one triple captainship for the whole season. And oh, is, is so that it's right? Blown, it's blown. That's why it's so stressful, Andy. This, this is going to make great podcast listening. You explaining the rules of fantasy <laughs> to me. Yeah, any, anyway, we've already we've already penciled you in doing that in the summer, haven't we? So I can actually compete next season well, so I'll coach you I'm ready oh, great I'm looking forward to it I'm ready for 2021 but, but, but what about West Ham um, I mean of course they hopefully they lose <laughs> I shouldn't say that should I um, but no it's it's massive for them isn't it and especially off the back of what was a, a really poor FA Cup weekend for them a really poor performance I think that they desperately need a bit of confidence in their team. They but, need to get scoring. They need, they, they, you know, this is, it's a really tough run of fixtures for them. Mm. They've played Liverpool twice in the next few weeks. They've played, they play Manchester City as well. They've obviously got Brighton in between those, those four fixtures and their run is really tough for, I think the next sort of seven or eight games. I so mean, It was not unenvisageable what happened to them in the FA Cup at the weekend, was it? Because of course, everyone's making rotations and people talk about all the rotations that, that Premier League teams make. But it's, it's even more normal for championship teams to do it, especially the ones that are, are chasing the promotion yeah. spots. Because where do you get your rest? I mean, they've got no winter break and there's 46 games in the season. 46. I can never get over it. You always come back to the table and you can kind of, even as a, a, a supporter of a football league team, you can forget how many games there are. It is an enormous insane, um, a, 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 amount of games. Uh, there are so many two-game weeks, English Avocus, as, 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 as they call them in, uh, in, in Germany. And, I mean, I think you look at um, West Brom, though, and they've got versatility, they've got confidence. In terms of quality, they're almost Premier League anyway. They may well end up there, love back there next well. season. Great manager, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's a really interesting personality, isn't he? And, uh, you know, for the first couple of years of any spell that he's in charge, whether it was Brigitte Tash, West Ham, you get your value out of him. It all tends to unravel towards pundit. the end. He was <laughs> yeah, so good, wasn't he? Absolutely. He was amazing. Um, but I, I do sort of look at that and I think, you know, West Ham, I think they knew it was going to be tough because the stadium wasn't quite as full as it, it normally is. You know, they, they tried to make it more approachable I guess like Newcastle United cut their prices as well for their game against Oxford and um, like West Ham I think they were charging tenner for adults and, and kids for a quid but it was it was just too predictable that that was going to happen and after this initial like really tiny new manager bump and who knows if that goal had been allowed at Sheffield United from Snodgrass of course it shouldn't have been it was correctly disallowed but maybe that's one of those sliding doors moments that would have made a difference to to West Ham. But they're straight back on it. And at the moment, with Watford having their sort of mini relapse as well, with Brighton losing that game at, at Bournemouth, it's so difficult to pick the relegation candidates at the moment. But I think you're going into this game and maybe West Ham might have looked at this in different circumstances as, well, it's Liverpool. Anything we get from it is a bonus. They can't afford to look at it like that. I, although, do you think there's there's even a possibility that they could rest a few players ahead of Brighton because I mean that game's absolutely that's capital. Bigger, yeah, exactly, and I, and I think that that's that's obviously the the challenge that David Moyes now has because you look at the next few games coming up for them and often with teams that are, are down there fighting relegation mm. and and fighting for survival, normally you kind of look at the teams around you and you go right 
they're the ones that we're targeting for a win. So for West Ham, it would be looking at that Brighton game, targeting that as, as yeah. their next win. However, you don't want to get sucked into it because at the moment there's three teams all on 23 points, West Ham, Bournemouth and Watford. And West Ham are only outside of the bottom three on goal difference at the moment. So I think that he has to look at the two matches he's got coming up with Liverpool and the match against Man City and and be thinking we need to get something out of those. Yeah, and I think especially you can't go into that Brighton game on the back of getting wasted like four or five nil at home. Exactly. Can you? It's about, a lot of it is about momentum as well, isn't yeah. it? And building a bit of confidence in the team. <clears throat> because, you know, at the moment, they look like a team that um, that haven't really had that proper... Man, new manager boost do you no, know what I mean no. and, and and they just look a little bit down and out at the moment don't they yeah and I think I think what you were saying about them struggling in front of goal is an issue because you know they bet the farm on uh, Sebastian Aller and you know you pay 40 million quid for a striker and, and you can't properly provide for him I mean he has looked like miserable for a lot of the the, the, the the season and there's no doubt of the the quality that he's got he's, he's specifically got the qualities to succeed in the in, in the Premier League and it's not gone brilliantly for either him Rebic or Jovic since the three of them we worked together so well at Eintracht Frankfurt and pushed Chelsea all the way in that Europa League semi-final last season have been split up although you know there are little signs of life from the other two recently and Allo has not had a terrible season by any stretch of the imagination and I think it's interesting you look at the cost of him you look at the raw numbers and you would expect more criticism. But I think West Ham fans and people who watch West Ham are smart enough to know that even though you've got a lot of attacking players in that team, and you know, you look at Fornals, Yarmolenko, Snodgrass, they just haven't managed to provide for them in, in, him in the way that they should have. Mm, yeah, and it's it's a big few weeks coming up for West Ham, starting tomorrow night against Liverpool. They're going to be aiming to get something out of that game. Whether or not they get it, we'll have to wait and see because right now Liverpool just look unstoppable. Do you think Liverpool will go the whole season unbeaten? Because I have a feeling, I don't know exactly where, I think that, especially as they've got such a busy calendar, they will lose one unexpected game somewhere. I, I, I think that will happen. I mean, I always think the best club side that I've ever seen is Liverpool in 87-88. And it was right at the start when I started going to football regularly. But that side was absolutely astonishing. And they, they even lost the game in 87-88 in despite the fact that they absolutely flamed the rest of the, the league. So I think people who are assuming that Liverpool are going to go the season unbeaten, I think that's a pretty large assumption it's an easy thing to say isn't it because they've been so good this season and they've seemed mm. to win games even when they haven't been on top like the Wolves game last yeah. week when it looked as though Wolves were, were going to win that game I thought yeah they're what, pushing for a win yeah, weren't they really yeah. were and uh, you know we talked about Traore last week and he was amazing in that game as well he was brilliant and obviously Klopp praised him massively after the match as well mm. but I don't. it's easy to say oh yeah I think Liverpool will go the season unbeaten I, I'm I'm with you, Andy. I think that there's probably there's got to be a game in there somewhere that they could just slip up, and a team that maybe has a bit of a rest in the winter break and comes back and then plays them, or you know, we still have the rest of this week in the January transfer window. We don't know who's going to come in and what players leave and stuff. I, I just feel like there there could be a moment between now and the end of the season where Liverpool slip up. But I would actually really like to see them go the season unbeaten because I love a good record. I love when mm. another record's broken and I, I just think it would be 
just the icing on the cake for Liverpool off the back of what's been an unbelievable year or so. Yeah, and it's not like we're talking about title tension anymore, is, is it? Exactly. So, like, so like, it'd be kind of well nice to go. have something yeah. else to follow, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, as well as the midweek Premier League match between West Ham and Liverpool, it's also the League Cup semi-final. So tonight we've got Aston Villa facing Leicester and then tomorrow it's the Manchester derby, Man City, Man United. Now, that one, Man City look like like they're through to the final pretty much because they've got an aggregate lead of 3-1. But Villa-Leicester still in the balance, a one-all aggregate going into this. Who do you think is going to get to the final? I, I still think Leicester will manage it. Uh, I think Leicester will manage it. And I think that would be a really, really good link-up final, Leicester versus Manchester City. Because, of course, brilliant, wouldn't it? The, the one thing about Leicester this season that I think is a, a reasonable and recurrent theme is the fact that they don't seem to be able to quite get it over the line in the, the, the biggest games. And now you could argue that them qualifying for the Champions League is bigger than the League Cup. Of course, I understand that point of view. But a big occasion against a huge team who, you know, even if they've got, like, you know, half their team off, they can provide a team that can beat absolutely anyone. I, I think that's a really interesting test for Leicester. Of course, Leicester have got this really interesting history in the last 20 years plus in the in the League Cup as well. Yeah, I think the thing is with, with Leicester is they've had such a... They've been one of the surprise packages this season, haven't they? Yeah. You know, they. I don't think anyone would have put them in the top four at the start of the season. And Brendan Rodgers has done an amazing job there. And I think that... You know, obviously the title's probably gone, but let's say realistically they're not going to win the title this year. And I think that they will finish in the top four. I think a Champions League spot is theirs. I can't see them drifting off that much. There's quite a big gap to um, to fifth place now to Man United. So I, I feel like Man it United would be... Man United are in fifth place. I can't I, I don't get my even head know around how. that. Yeah, I don't know how. Yeah. Um, and I think that it would just be an amazing finish to Leicester's season if they could get to the League Cup final and win it, come away mm. with a trophy. I think that they would deserve that for the season that they've had. And I, I don't I don't see them facing any problems against Aston Villa later because obviously Villa have got their eyes all on the league. They've got to, they've got to be targeting those kind of league games. Oh, good in that so first that they game, can though. Survive. They were, good weren't the they? Leg. Yeah. But um, imagine that top four and two cups. I'm just saying it's on the table because, of course, they, they, they won that tie against Brentford at the weekend as well. Yeah, exactly. So, top four and two cups is doable. Definitely, and I think that'll be a, a brilliant season for Leicester. Uh, we've also had uh, quite a few people get in touch this week, Andy, haven't we? Uh, yeah, we have, and um, we had, of course, uh, we were talking about players with initials, weren't we? And um, someone... loads of you have been sending them in, which yeah. has been very entertaining. Yeah, it has. Um, there's uh, Mark. I'm not sure if I should give his real name actually, because the first line says "had a sickie from work." You know who you are. <laughs> I'm going to say you're called. Mark Johnson. Okay. Mark Johnson. Anyway, Mark says, um, I had a sickie from work. You'll know his name's not Johnson when you see the initials. I had a sickie from work and spent far too long uh, coming up with a team of players who share my initials. I reckon they could be all right. Uh, I need to keep in mind. Coached by Marcel Desai and Marco Del Vecchio. Goalkeeper Martin Dubravka. Uh, Three-man defence, uh, Mukhtar Diakabi. He's done a full uh, team. Mera Demarel, uh, Matthias De Ligt. Uh, midfield, Martin Daron, uh, Mahmoud Dahoud. Wing-backs, Matt Doherty. Yeah, great choice. Nice. Uh, Musa Gineppo. Uh, Mariano Diaz, Memphis Depay, Musa Dembele up front. And confusingly, he's got another Musa Dembele, presumably the old Spurs one, on the bench. MD's a good one. There's some decent players in there. Also, by the way, uh, 
it didn't necessarily mean he was faking his sickie, Andy. He could have actually been sick. Look, I just think let's protect him. You have no faith. We, no, we look after our listeners here. <laughs> it's important. It's important. Sicky means pulling a fast one <laughs> in my book. Um, uh, we were also um, got one from Nick Phipps here. Uh, in, in, innovatively entitled uh, Wimble Bonds. I see what you've done there. Mm. Uh, hi, guys. Just say a quick message to uh, say thanks for highlighting the Plowlane Bond opportunity on the pod last week. I'm now proudly an investor and hope the team get all funds raised and can move forwards uh, ASAP. The Wimbledon were responsible for a lot of my childhood memories of football with the likes of Fash. Uh, Vinny, uh, Robbie L, Effin uh, and and of course Eric the Ninja Young, always entertaining and giving us park hackers the chance to dream big. <laughs> Perhaps harsh on those players, he says. Um, while I support Sunderland myself, AFC Wimbledon is battled back as a club so admirably and all driven by the local community. It will hopefully turn into one, uh, one of good news stories within football and give hope to Barry and others that may sadly follow as the financial pressures continue to grow. Thanks again for putting the spotlight on this. Of course, you can still invest at um, ploughlanebond.com. Also, Nick has added on the end, um, my suggestion for players with the same initial segment. Uh, You've got John Barnes. Oh, yes, of course. No one's Uh, mentioned that yet. John Beresford. I I can't remember in my first year at university getting into a taxi where the driver didn't moan about John Beresford (laughs) and how replacing him would uh, improve their team. I'm not sure that would have got, got them over the hump and won the 95-96 title. But anyway, Jimmy Bullard is yeah, your third. Yeah, I mentioned that the first time, didn't I? I've got uh, Alan Boxic. Oh, I like that. Arta Boric and Alan Ball, the late, great Alan ah, Ball. Nice. Yes. Good suggestions. I've got one for you, Jules, as well. Uh, crazy Brighton connection in the Pacific Northwest uh, USA from Paul Duncan. Uh, just wanted to share with you a crazy story that happened to me today. I was helping a customer when I asked him whereabouts his accent was from. When he told me he was from Brighton, I excitedly mentioned one of the commentators on my favourite football podcast. Oh, you're too nice to us. He's a massive fan of Brighton, to which he enthusiastically informed me that his brother had been the stadium announcer for many years at what? Brighton. Oh my what God. are the odds? That's amazing. Keep up the amazing job you're both doing. Thanks, Paul from Seattle. Ah, brilliant stuff, Paul. Love that. I do love any kind of Brighton connections. You know when it's when you go anywhere in the world and you meet someone and then they're like, oh, I'm from there too, or I know someone from there. There's actually a lad on Love Island at the moment. We won't be talking too much about that, Andy, because I know it's not your thing. Uh, but he said, uh, oh, I'm from Brighton. Anyway, I looked him up because I was like, have we got any friends in common? He's from Worthing. So he's not actually from Brighton. Slight lie. Disgusting. Disgraceful. Don't (laughs) pretend you're from Brighton, Connor. (laughs) Uh, Right. Anyway, I think that's it from us this week. (laughs) Um, Enjoy the midweek football, guys. And um, we will see you same time, same place next Tuesday. Andy, have a good one. You too. See you later. This was a Stakhanov production. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.